0: Hello, welcome to Multiculturalism Happens Here. I am your host, Isaac Rela, and I work with Inc, a nonprofit established in 1984. We are a catalyst for a more equitable world, where differences are valued and used for the benefit of all. Our goal is to be a resource to the people that are working hard every day to bring diversity and inclusion into their workplaces, churches, governments, and schools believing that the multiculturalism process of change can be a part of your journey in the success of a more equitable and inclusive tomorrow. Welcome back. This is episode number nine. Still me, Isaac Ruelas here, your host. And today I'm continuing my conversation that I had with Terry Berman around our work with independent schools and In continuing the conversation, we start off where we left off talking talking about white supremacy culture and how it shows up in spaces, especially like our schools, in ways that are unnegotiated and how that has negative impacts on some of the youth and young people that we work with. We talk about the different ways that we can acknowledge the different cultural scripts that we caught and or were taught around unconscious biases. We get into addressing change at the different levels, the ways in which you can set yourself up for success around diversity, equity and inclusion. We talk about retention. We talk about how to not make the same mistakes around recruitment. And last but not least, the crucial step of buy-in from leadership. Let's get the conversation started. There's there was a couple pieces um, that I wanna to touch on and maybe expand on, but this idea that um, what it means to show up in a way where you, I'm, I think you said white people show up unnegotiated, and well,
1: cultural, yeah, white cultural space, white cultural is very space, much, yeah, the, you know, it's like when people talk about white supremacy culture, right? Mm-hmm. Most most organizations operate with white supremacy culture because we live in a society that has been defined by white supremacy. And I think it's really critical to actually begin to unpack what does that mean and to be able to talk about white supremacy and actually to educate our children about white supremacy, not from a blame shame place, but from understanding this is our historical legacy and that we have a responsibility to begin to unpack it and challenge it and not assume that it's normal and the right way to be. And so that's the piece about it being negotiated, not that it. Not that some of the kind of values and ways people show up is bad, right? It's Mm -hmm. that we begin to expand the possibilities so that we can both value the written word and value the spoken word,
0: right? Yeah. And I think that as as I'm looking at it at the cultural level, the way that it plays out at the interpersonal level is that there isn't this constant process of negotiating that's happening and we're not learning how to negotiate. And I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the guidelines and that so much of the work that we do starts off right away with the guidelines, because I feel like it sets us up to be able to negotiate at that interpersonal level and that we can still have a voice.
1: Right, right, exactly.
0: And that's so incredible for young people to be able to see that modeling because of some so much of what we we learn about how to behave and and think and feel around differences, you know, are things that we've caught, and we just do not see enough negotiating.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. I just want to say the piece about being taught in court because you know, uh-huh. and I I I share this in training context that you know I was listening to, I can't remember the name of the professor, but he was speaking about epigenetics and talks about how we are culturally coded from the third trimester, which is fascinating, to Mm -hmm. seven years of age. And then we are encoded and it becomes automatic. So we're culturally coded by that time, right? So for educators who are working with young kids, it's really important to be able to begin to raise the conversation. Now, that's a whole other area, because I have encountered talking about challenges, the sort of assumption and myth that kids are like a blank slate, you know, and that mm. you don't want to ruin their innocence instead of understanding that they're like like sponges that, you know, from day one, they are absorbing everything. And by by three years of age, they were already manifesting bias. I mean, they can already manifest racial bias, for example. uh-huh, Right. Yeah, they're demonstrating how fast children learn the cultural norms. And so it's really critical that we're having conversations about it, obviously from an age appropriate perspective, but really being able to talk about it. So kids can begin to be critical of what they're picking up, because so much of what kids pick up is not so much about what we say, but the meaning that they make from it. So, for example, if I always walk into a classroom and say "Good morning, boys and girls," mm. I'm going to pick up that boys are more important than girls because it's always the boys first.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh wow! I love where the conversation is just flowing to. Yeah. So... But let me
1: go back to working with schools. You know, that's my little rep on on the cultural coding and working with kids. But working in school environments, that piece of understanding. When I've been in school environments where people have get, have get that and they are beginning to think about how can they, in, within curriculum, really actually engage in the conversation about race and white supremacy, you know, not just like there was slavery and now it's over, but to actually talk about what are the systemic issues that are in place because of that, right? And mm-hmm. to teach a systems thinking perspective. In their, in their curriculum. That has been very exciting. And I've seen that in school environments really take that on. So that that's one area, you know, so the area of success around really looking at and examining curriculum, you know, I mean, I think that uh, teaching tolerance is, you know, got some incredible resources and schools have begun to use that. And there's other models out there. The other areas of work that I think folks have done a good job at when I see folks doing ongoing work is really looking at hiring and retention. You know, in order to be able to sort of support inclusion, it's really critical for the kids to see other folks like them in their community. And so looking to transform spaces that have been historically white or predominantly white to increasing, you know, increasing diversity is an important strategy. Mm -hmm. And so, and the piece that sometimes didn't get so much attention was on retention. And mm-hmm. so now it's about supporting an, ana- an, an understanding of how do we go about doing hiring and what are the ways in which they have been unexamined and exclusionary and what strategies can we put in place to really unpack our hiring practices to ensure that we're not operating with unexamined bias, which everyone does, and to make that a more conscious process by putting steps in place that mitigate that. So that's one. And I've seen in schools where their hiring practices were really poor, really beef them up in a way that has increased the diversity in their community. And then, you know, the next level, of course, is to work on retention. So that that's one area, I would say, that I've seen be successful. And one of the parts of retention that that I think has also been successful has been really working on how you support entry into a community. So working on a a robust orientation. So some schools, for example, that we've worked with on an ongoing way ensure that folks get exposure to the tool. You know, we've trained everybody in the community. We've done some ongoing work and ongoing professional development. Some places I've supported the equity and inclusion or the leadership teams to sort of continue that professional development internally, you know, so it's not just us doing it, And then making sure that everybody who enters the community gets trained in visions. So that has been a successful strategy. And then, you know, working with the adult body in the form of a committee or with the larger administrative teams to look at what are they doing around student outreach and retention as well. So that's got to be a two-pronged affair, right? You're both bringing in faculty of color and and other diversities that are underrepresented. And then you're also looking to do that with your student body and looking at how are you articulating what you're doing around your commitment to equity and inclusion that can make the school that has maybe traditionally been unattractive to families of color more attractive. And making sure that um, they're doing outreach at multiple levels, you know, because often it's a dynamic that I've seen where the students of color are seen to be the um, scholarship student. And while there is clear evidence of the differential economically for people of color and white people in terms of access to private school, you know, private education. Yeah. that, you know, I understand why that's there. It's not always the case. And so making sure that, you know, that that is talked about and separated, but also making sure that it's not, that they, that folks are not falling into that dynamic where they're not outreaching to families of color who have the resources, mm-hmm. as well as to families that might not in order to maintain the, the levels of diversity they want in the school environment. So that it's not like, what you see sometimes, this huge differential, super rich kids and super poor kids who are, you know, of color, right? Yeah. So kind of, a, a you know, a, addressing that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And if that is the reality, how do you work with it? You know, creating sort of systems in the school to address that and to look at what needs to change in order to make it an OK environment for those kids.
0: Yeah. And maybe the would we say to make it a more equitable environment for them if we're inviting them into that space? Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. yeah. so I think all these all these different efforts, you know, the different areas of focus that are that that schools have you know, usually um I think for real change to take place and it has been true in the schools that I've worked in. If the leadership is not actively engaged in that work, then it doesn't happen as effectively, even when there's a, a, an equity and inclusion or a multicultural leadership team. So it has to have leadership involved in the process. So that's a, just a structural comment to sort of support the, the overall change. And the other areas that I think are really critical that I've seen folks work on so that's like the student life issue, you know, creating cultural, uh, cultural shift. Doing curriculum, um, you know, um, making sure that people are like looking at access at all aspects of the life of the school in terms of the student body. The other piece that's really critical is parent and board engagement. So the board needs mm. to do work as well, right? They have to be in line with the with. They are the ones who are really sort of providing the the overview, if you will, to support this, and they're also providing the resources. So they have to be in line with the practice. And that can be sometimes more difficult in a school community, just by nature of what board of trustees, you know, are often larger, it's harder to get access to them. (laughs) But, I, you know, I've definitely worked with boards and it's, for the most part, has been a successful strategy to, in a way, bring them into the process So that at least there's some shared frame and language for what we're talking about when this when when we're trying to move this work forward. So um, I've worked in some environments where there's actual uh, board and and staff and parent you know community um, engagement either in the form of a board diversity committee or in a special committee that is inclusive of all the the key players in in the in the school community. So it's not like there's one set way to do it. I do think though that having parent um, and board engagement is critical. And as well as doing parent ED, you know, PD rather, you know, doing parent education for around these issues, because you really, you know, oftentimes the parent body um you know might be attracted to a particular school because they they share um a particular philosophical approach, and sometimes people go send their kids to the school because it 's a good school and and it 's local you know <laughs> it's like yeah. there's lots of reasons why people go yeah. so actually sort of like you know getting their buy in so when their kids are coming back and talking about these issues there's some like synergy between what that what you know parents are understanding and what the school is trying to share with their child right no matter what their age so that's that i would say is a critical piece as well and that's where i see schools being successful where they have really actively engaged. like some schools provide training for their families as part of orientation like just you know some basic frame that they're sharing with them Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. using visions tools you know all
0: right. Well, Terry, thank you for this conversation. Definitely, there's a lot to, to take away, take away, take, 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 take away. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Multiculturalism Happens Here. If you found this helpful or resourceful, give us a like, subscribe, a comment, or share. Consider giving to Visions. Visit our website for more information at wwwvisions inc that's inc.org org, If you're interested in joining any of our workshops, trainings, or youth summits, you can find more information and registration on Eventbrite. And if you're interested in having us come to you, contact us for more information. I am Isaac Relas, wishing you a brand new day and a better way. Peace.